Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about a really important concept, emotional intelligence. It's been around as a term for a while. In fact, we talk a lot about it uh, with social and emotional learning. It's mm-hmm. a huge yeah. part of that. Um, but what, what we want to talk about today is how social or how emotional intelligence is connected to the influence yes. uh, that a student might have. And we actually want to make the case that those two things are intimately connected. Um, and to kick us off, you were telling me about a really fascinating story from a long time ago yeah, for you. Yeah, so back when I was in high school, uh, Chuck was a bully on my high school campus. We all have a Chuck, I That's think, right, probably. That's right, we do, and we all past. knew him. Yeah. yeah. So back in the day, everyone in, in our class dreaded encountering Chuck. Mm. Um, on a good day, he was merely rude or offensive. Um, on a bad day, he'd be downright abusive or violent. I mean, mm. he was just horrible. The way he managed his life and managed his interactions, I mean, even the most clueless person would say, I don't want to be around him, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Chuck came from a troubled background, uh, but not knowing that didn't change the the way Pierce felt. Whether you knew it or not, you just realized, I don't want to be around this guy. The entire tone of our classroom, Andrew, was affected when he was present, and Mm. you felt relief when he wasn't present. So I'll never forget being a part as an upperclassman of an intervention with Chuck. Wow. So it was, a, it was an assistant principal, it was a faculty member, and then they asked me as a student, as a peer, to be a part of this. I think their feeling was, if we have all three, he's not going to be able to wiggle out of this intervention mm-hmm. you know, that we're about to do. So it's, it was actually my senior year, um, and uh, the three of us got together with Chuck. We met with him to discover how we could help him resolve some of his conflicted emotions. You were recognizing there's an internal problem yes, going on that's here. Right. And we, we really tried to posture it. When I say we, they, the adults were talking at the time, but how can we help you get through, obviously, this very, very rough time? When Chuck finally opened up, Andrew, this is where we all had an epiphany. Uh, it became clear that his root problems were not math or science yeah. or any other subject for that matter. The issues had nothing to do with academics and everything to do with social and emotional literacy. Mm. Social emotional literacy. Now, you know this is a term we're using um, to define the larger spectrum of, of interpersonal and intrapersonal skills that people need to enjoy a, a healthy life um, and a meaningful life. So it's the larger umbrella of competencies under which SEL, social emotional learning, fall. Yes. But it's just a little bit bigger. Yes. So um, Chuck had learned to survive. But in doing so, his entire existence really revolved around him. Yes. Um, today, he'd be called a narcissist or an egomaniac. Yes. Uh, he was cocky. He was manipulative, um, selfish, patronizing, and demanding. Mm. You know, everything revolved around him getting what he wanted. And as you can imagine, he lacked empathy for others. So in the intervention, we learned that Chuck desperately wanted to have influence on the campus. He just was choosing the wrong way to get it. Yes. Um, He defaulted to horrible methods uh, that were all seen as selfish. His attention-seeking behaviors drove everybody away. He was pushing people away. He was, to put it minimally, off-putting to everyone. Yes. So, and what's funny is the the drive, the internal drive for him was to get people's attention. That's right. right? Yeah. So it was actually, the goal ended up, he got the exact opposite of what that's his goal exactly was right. because he didn't have the emotional intelligence to yeah, handle the situation. a contradiction in terms. Mm. So as I look back and just reflect on that, and of course the work that we do now with SEL, Chuck becomes a barometer for, well, that's what we don't want. That's what we need to help kids out of. 
Yes. Now, listeners, I'm not suggesting you have millions of Chucks around you all the time, but you've got a few, and you probably have a number of students, maybe quite commonly, that just need to grow in their emotional intelligence. Yes. I think what Chuck really needed is what I now call the Waldorf principle. Yes. Well, this is one of our habitudes. For those of you who are familiar, uh, habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes that Tim started developing way back in 2003. In fact, you were probably working on them a little bit before that. But this is one of those that we have leaned on for years to help kids develop emotional intelligence. So yeah, walk us through this habitude, because I think it's exactly what we need to talk about today. So I will. The Waldorf Principle is based on this true story. It's a true story of George Bolt. So George was a hotel clerk in, a, in Philadelphia decades and decades ago. And one stormy night, an elderly man and his wife entered the lobby of his hotel hoping to get shelter for the night. Mm. George explained he had no vacancies since there were three conventions in this town. And then he said, but, but I can't send nice people like you out into the rain at one o'clock in the morning. So he said, would you be willing to sleep in my room? Huh. So this was kind of an invasion of privacy. Imagine a hotel clerk yeah, saying yeah, that that's to right. you. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he, go, he went on to say, it's not exactly a suite, but it should be nice enough to offer you a comfortable night's rest. Well, this elderly couple seemed shocked. I shouldn't say all They were a little bit older, but they seemed shocked. And, and I think I would be shocked if, yeah. no, wait, you don't have room 203 open, but you're going to give me your personal bedroom. Yeah. So um, when the old man replied, George insisted, don't worry about me, I'll be just fine. And he, he, he assured them, and because he was younger and more vigorous, he won the argument. So the couple agreed to spend the night in his room. Well, as he paid his bill in the morning, the next morning, the elderly man said to George, and I'm going to quote this now, uh, you're an exceptional, exceptional man. Finding people who are both friendly and helpful is rare these days. In fact, you're the kind of guy who should be managing the best hotel in the country. Maybe someday I'll build one for you. And with that, he left the hotel. What a thing to say. I know, yeah. So George doesn't know quite what to make of it, but he stays there, continues his job for another two years. Oh, wow. But after about two years, um, George receives a letter from this old man. And it recalled that stormy night, and enclosed was a ticket to New York, asking George to pay him a visit. Well, George remembered this old guy. Um, So the old man, when George arrived, took him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street. He pointed to a beautiful new building. That, he said, is the hotel I'd like you to manage. So he was reminiscing about the very statement he made to George at the end of their time. Well, the old man's name was William Waldorf Astor. Mm. And the magnificent structure was the original Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The clerk who became its first manager was George Bolt, this guy from Philadelphia. He never foresaw, George never foresaw how his simple act of honor and sacrifice would enable him to become the manager of one of the world's finest, most glamorous hotels. Wow, wow. It's so fascinating. I love hearing you tell that story, and I've actually had the the benefit of getting able to tell it myself. And every time I'm remark, I remark on the significance and the rarity, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, of actions like that. Um, so many of us, in fact, every kid probably that we're leading wants to have influence mm-hmm. with other people. We want to um, have somebody yeah. uh, look at us and go, "Hey, you know what? I, I'd like for, I'd like to build yeah. a hotel for yeah. you." We'd yeah. all yeah. like for somebody to say that to us. But so many times there's stories like Chuck where kids desire that, but they haven't built yeah. necessarily the emotional intelligence to actually yeah. achieve it. George. 
um, instead saw the path to significance and influence is one that goes through the the path of honor yep. rather than the the path of attention-seeking behavior. Absolutely. In fact, what I love about the story when you just process it and kind of unpack it is George's way to get this place of influence, which we all want, and this great job, probably high-paying job, was not better strategy or, or you know, uh, I don't know, better breath mints. I don't know. <laughs> yes. you know it wasn't Bullish all behavior thing. or whatever. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it was It was the opposite. It was, it was actually moving toward focusing on others. It's, it, he was a socially and emotionally intelligent person, which I think is a hidden pathway that most students don't know about. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the word pathways, um, when we think about influence and actually how you gain influence with others, there are lots of different ways to try and uh, get that influence. There are only a few, though, that are fit in the category of emotionally intelligent ways. Yeah, yeah. Far more of us choose the uh, non-emotionally intelligent ways of actually gaining influence with others. So I wonder if you might just really quickly yeah. uh, kind of lead us as we walk through the different ways, the different uh, opportunities we might have or pathways we might take to gain influence with other people. Okay, so I'm about to share with you seven models for influencing other people from worst to best. Okay. Let me underscore that. From the worst way, but we've all experienced it, to the best way. Uh, So I I just simply believe that this pathway I'm about to share illustrates that the higher your your EQ, not IQ, higher your EQ, the better your model is for influencing other people. Mm. You move from number seven, which I'll start with, all the way to number one, which is the way high EQ people do it. So listeners, certainly this is for your students, but I'd like you to apply this to your own life. Absolutely, yeah. We in midlife need to be thinking this way. So let me jump in, Andrew. I'll do number one, and I'd love to just banter, and we walk through these together. Let's do it. So the first method, this is the base method. This was Chuck's method oftentimes, is simply the word force. Yeah. You want something to happen, and you go, the quickest way to make this happen is just pushing or forcing someone to do it. People submit here because they feel threatened or overpowered. Yeah. Um, they move unwillingly and, and will actually often rebel the first chance they get. Um, bullies, criminals, and governments influenced by force. We all know nations over the last hundred years that use force to intrude upon another piece of property yeah. that didn't belong to them, okay? So it's the worst path to influence and is often leveraged by those who have very low EQ. And there's a lot of consequences to using force <laughs> right. as well. It's true. The next one is manipulation. It's probably only just slightly better than force. It's still not good, right? Yeah, right. Uh, this is when people yield not because you made them, but because they feel like they're coerced. There's no other real opportunity for them. They're tricked or they're blackmailed or they believe they have no choice but to align with what you want. And often it leads people to resent you, right, for being used, um, and and they want to get away from you, they want to escape from you. Um, so obviously this is definitely a low EQ uh, model, but manipulation is it? Yeah. So we move from force to manipulation, slightly better. These remember these are worst to best. Slightly better would be the word intimidation. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been on the wrong side of someone that's just intimidating. Sometimes, Andrew, they're intimidating. They don't mean to be, but they are. Yeah. And they, they started learning through habit. This is how I get things done. I just intimidate people. I say this word or do this thing or make that look, and suddenly they're doing, they're doing yeah. what I want. So they do it. So intimidation is where people acquiesce because they're afraid not to. Uh, they feel emotionally bullied, uh, and, and, and so, again, this is only slightly better than manipulation, 
but they yield because they're, they want to avoid being fired or hurt or embarrassed. Uh, this is the third worst path, as I just mentioned, and is often used when quick action is needed uh, by those with a medium EQ. You know, haven't we all been in situations with our wife, a friend, or whatever? We go, I just need to push this through. Yes. You know, and we, and we manipulate. Yeah, this or is intimidate. I'm this, sorry. I find this to be a path often taken by young people who don't want to be exposed or vulnerable, yeah. right? So they instead put on this kind of like emotionless yeah. shroud and they create this air of intimidation around them where you want their approval and all yes. of that stuff. And they think they're making choices that are getting them more influence, but it's actually an unhealthy yeah. form of, of gaining influence. Absolutely. Well, here's sure. the next one. And, and this is probably the most common one that people use. And it's just simply exchange. Uh, this is when people align with you because you can do something for them. Both re parties receive something for participating in this, right? Uh, think of it like work. If you approach work as I'm here to work, my boss pays me, that's an exchange, right? Yeah. The you only have so much influence as long as you have something to uh, add. But So the path works. It's functional, which is why it's in the middle of this uh, mm -hmm. seven-part list. But it's transactional and it's temporal. Uh, it only is going to work for so long, and it's only going to cause you to gain so much influence, right? Uh, it's over once either party finds a better deal, finds mm -hmm. a better person, finds a better uh, situation. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, it's, it's not at the top of the list. Yeah. So in our seven steps on the path to, to influence, this one, as you just mentioned, is the neutral one. It's in the middle of the three yeah. not-so-good ones and the three better ones. Yes. So exchange. We all scratch somebody's back or they scratch our back. Okay. So now we're moving into the fifth one, uh, which is persuasion. So when we hear that word, Andrew, we probably have both negative and positive connotations yeah. to it. But I think it's slightly on the positive side because we're not pushing or forcing. We're actually using our words to influence someone. So now people participate because they're moved to cooperation. They agree due to the ideas or the incentives you provide. Um, others follow not because they have to, but because they want to. Mm -hmm. okay? They may later look back and say, man, you talked me into that, didn't you? My little brother or big brother or whatever. But, but really, it's, yeah, it's, it's actually a positive. Persu By the way, this is interesting. The word persuasion literally means through sweetness. So we create a sweet deal for the other person, and we talk them into it. Salespeople do this, yes. and it's not bad. It's just that you, afterwards you go, wow, you, you were really, you're a good talker. You know? mm -hmm. So um, this is used by people with a slightly higher EQ. Yes. We now are using words, not fists, to get things done. Absolutely. This is one is a common one you'll see on the news. In fact, you'll yeah. see little segments of like so-and-so destroys somebody on yeah, CNN yeah. or that's whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's really just, it's a form of persuasion, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, trying, I'm trying to prove my point. Yep, that's right. So let's go slightly better. So this is number two. Um, we're getting up towards right. the top here. That's right. And that one is motivation. Motivation. And this is actually, it's a great form of, of yeah. uh, developing influence. This is when people follow you because you create excitement, you create energy. Your cause and your passion move other people towards action. They want to do it because of how motivating you are. Uh, people are inspired to go where they would not probably have otherwise gone themselves. So you're the one that sort of convinces them through motivation uh, to, to follow this path. Uh, so this is obviously a much better approach than the ones that we've looked at so far. And by the way, it requires a pretty high degree of emotional intelligence uh, to even do, right? Yeah. But 
that doesn't make it number one. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily the best, absolute best way. In fact, it's not George Bolt's way that yeah. he leveraged. Uh, he wasn't motivating the man to build him a, a hotel. He, he took another path. So that's why that one's number two. So the top one, number one way, is simply the word that Andrew used earlier. It's the word honor. Mm. So George Bolt, if you remember the story, just he, he wasn't doing anything... I'm guessing because he wanted to get something in return. As far as he knew, this elderly couple was just an old couple that needed a bed. Mm -hmm. Um, But he took a step out. He took initiative. Um, This is where you influence people because you honor them through service. Yeah. Now, I don't know how that sounds to you, but I'm going to say it again. This is where you influence because you choose to honor others through serving them. You both gain mutual respect for each other. Honor begets honor. Because you earn their esteem. George Bolt got a great return on that sacrifice he made. Uh, This is the longest-lasting form of influence. Uh, Personal sacrifice earns fierce loyalty as a result. It's true. It is. So think again again about that night that George Bolt served Mr. Waldorf and his wife. He didn't know who they were. He didn't see what they could give him in return one day. He, in fact, he made the uh, he did the honoring before the ever the guy ever made the statement. One, you deserve to be running a great hotel. He didn't know if that was a real possibility, possibility yeah. or not. Yeah, absolutely. He just honored anyone who came through the door, and he won them over. His influence did not stem from great public speaking, organizational skills, strategic planning. He served sacrificially, and influence was a byproduct. That's what we're encouraging you and your students to do. Make a choice to sacrifice and honor someone, regardless of what might happen in return, you'll find that influence is a byproduct. Yes. And I love that term, influence is a byproduct. And this is what what I want to say or what we want to say uh, here towards the end of this podcast is I think when it comes to emotional intelligence, social emotional learning, uh, oftentimes these concepts are tied with the idea of helping improve our students' lives internally, uh, their emotional and social lives. By the way, we agree with that. That is absolutely a goal that we have uh, at Growing Leaders and that we want to see is kids becoming better on the inside. But the argument I think we want to make is that when you improve yourself on the inside and you begin to learn some of these skills, especially emotional intelligence and intrapersonal, how do do I interact with other people? uh, I think what you start to learn is that there's sort of a natural outflowing of influence, right? When my literacy grows, I'm better in engagements with other people. And so those kids, those young people, especially who build emotional intelligence, often find that they develop influence yes. as a result. Yeah. Leadership is one of the outcomes. This is why we're growing leaders, right? Yeah. Leadership is one of the natural outcomes of this. Yeah. So when you think about SEL listeners, uh, you often think about the fundamentals, which which I do too. Yeah. But it's 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 helping kids endure the stressors of this weird year we're in, uh, managing their emotions, their anxieties, so conflict doesn't become violent or whatever. But I believe, I I want to encourage you, listeners, to teach emotional intelligence, to teach SEL, with the view of the outcomes. Yes. Of building students of influence who do become leaders as they graduate, and maybe before they graduate. Um, I believe when students develop their emotional intelligence, they learn SEL, they move beyond a self-centered paradigm to an others-centered paradigm. And isn't that 
what we want? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have this phrase. In fact, oftentimes, Tim, or actually every time at the beginning of this podcast, I share our mission yeah. statement. We're trying to build kids um, with the skills they'll need for real life. The other side of our goal at Growing Leaders is our vision statement yeah. in which we see millions of young kids around the world solving problems and serving people in their communities. Yeah. And the connection between that mission and that vision for us is exactly what we're talking about. When you build the emotional intelligence in students, what you begin to see is that kids begin to solve problems and they begin to serve people. Yeah. And we believe that transition happens naturally as kids develop that intelligence. Yeah. So I love it when I meet teachers, parents, coaches, anybody that has kids around them, and they get this. So I have a friend of mine who is a, has been a very good dad. His kids are now adult children, but we were talking about the you know, the strategies we use to be good dads and to end up with good kids at the end of the journey. I love what my friend did. Andy is his name. Um, one night, they had a babysitter over for their three kids, and the two boys just turned into little chucks is what they did. <laughs> they, they, they were not good boys that night. They were mm. wreaking havoc on the house, messing things up, and talking very bad to the babysitter. So when my friend and his wife came home, they said, how things go? And she said, well, can I be honest with you? It was a tough night, and she shared what had happened and then left it alone. She thought, you know, they'll deal with this. I've been honest. And, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Left with, with her, you know, her, her cash, and she went home. Well, Andy and his wife sat down with the boys a little bit later. It was the next day. They, they let them go to bed, et cetera. But they said, you know what you did? Really severed a relationship. So we're not going to punish you the way we typically do because this isn't just you lose your rights to your phone or you, you, you have to stay in your room when you get home or whatever. They, they wanted to use honor as a way of instructing the future behavior. So this is not rocket science, but I love what they did. They made their two boys uh, put on their best clothes, go buy some flowers for the babysitter. Probably with their own money, I'm guessing. With their own money. This was the last thing these two boys wanted to do in middle school. And, and then they, he, Andy drove them down to the workplace where this young lady worked. And they entered, asked permission, could we take a minute of her time? Yes, you can. You know, They walked in, and they not only gave her flowers with a card they wrote, but they specifically apologized and said, we know we severed our relationship with you, and we want to honor you. So does my dad. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes. know, you know, that sort of so thing. So dad drove us that's, here. That's yeah. right, that's right. But she started crying. This young lady just started crying because these two middle school kids that you never hear this from are actually learning the honor system. Mm. Oh, boy, did they not only gain influence with that you know, babysitter, she came back over and over and over again. Whereas before, I'm sure that babysitter thought, I think I'll never return to yeah, that I'll house. Yeah, I'll pass on future that's opportunities right, absolutely. to babysit. There's the honor system. And yeah. I think that's social-emotional learning at its highest level. I love that. Rather than punishing his kids for something they yeah. should have done, he just said, we're going to do what you should have done That's to right. begin with. Yeah. Well, I think there's so many opportunities, whether you're a parent or a teacher, administrator, uh, coach, pastor, whatever, uh, you have opportunities to teach these important skills. Yeah. And it begins with emotional intelligence. It begins with social-emotional learning, which yeah. teaches emotional intelligence and character and all of those things. So uh, if you're at the beginning of this journey and thinking about how 
am I even going to do this? Uh, how am I going to be, be beginning to build these skills? Uh, we have a tool that I'd love to suggest to you. If you haven't heard about it, it's Habitudes. Habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And um, you know, we created these uh, years and years ago. The Waldorf principle that you just heard is one of them, and it's in this uh, course, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. And it, what what we do is we actually leverage the power of an image, a metaphor, and a story to teach important emotional intelligence skills, social and emotional learning skills, uh, in order to help kids get ready for now and for the future. So if you're interested in finding out more about Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning, head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. It's growingleaders.com slash SEL, and you can find out more right there. Well, thank you guys for listening. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. It gets the word out about what we're doing here. And if you found this helpful, please share it with somebody that you know. Pass it along. If you want to connect with us on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview, uh, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those emails from you. Tim, thanks for walking us through this today and for giving us your wisdom. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time.